recorded live in Jacksonville, Florida. This is Trivial Warfare. More than just a pub quiz, Trivial Warfare is your gateway to a worldwide trivia community. Join your hosts, Jonathan. Take these broken wings, it's Mr. Mister. Broken wings. Son of a beasting. Chris. I thought it was about a tree falling. I thought I was talking about a person going down. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Carmella. My vodka is telling me that no, they didn't. And the answer is yes, they were in 1854. You lied to me. Ben. Jonathan was literally, he was literally about to break things. He wasn't kidding. He was about to get it from his desk and destroy something valuable. (laughs) And the rest of the Trivial Warfare Army for another week of fun and games. Now here's your host, Jonathan Oaks. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Trivial Warfare. We are the podcast that takes the pub quiz out of the pub and brings it home to you. My name is Jonathan and I am here today with Carmela. Hello, Carmela. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. I am here today with Mr. Ben Young. Hey, Ben. Good morning. Good morning. How's your ankle, dude? It's, it's getting there. Ben walked in here with his bedroom slippers and his ankle tap, taped up, tapped up. Uh, and you went to the emergency room last night. Yep, earlier, about six hours ago, I was in the ER, calcific tendonitis of the Achilles. So Your athleticism is becoming a problem, (laughs) because that sounds like an athletic injury. They found your one weakness, your Achilles. Yeah. (laughs) It's Achilles heel! They found it. And they put me on steroids, which means I have to withdraw from that UFC fight that was going to be in three months from now. Oh, man. All that training. I know. Just down, down the drain. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh okay so we're joined by a couple of awesome guests today first up we have asha youssef hello asha good morning welcome How are you? to the show thank you uh we're also joined today by marcus plasance hello marcus how are you man great good morning everybody welcome so guys we're gonna get to know you guys a little bit better let's start with asha asha tell us where you're from and what you do I'm from Louisville, Kentucky, and I, I work for a nonprofit, and I work with donations, making sure they get where they're supposed to go. Oh, okay. So, uh, like in a financial sense, so accounting, that kind of thing, or more like data entry kind of thing. Oh, I got Just... you. Very cool. What's the nonprofit? Uh, the Presbyterian Church headquarters. Fantastic. I work for the national headquarters. Well, welcome. And uh, I hear I hear that uh, Louisville is kind of hopping from a trivia scene perspective. We got a lot of people up there. Yeah, I've noticed that, but I don't know any of them. Oh, hey, Louisville, reach out. Y'all got to find Asha. <laughs> Super cool. Uh, all right, and Marcus, tell us where you're from and what you do, my friend. I live in Prairieville, Louisiana. It's right outside of Baton Rouge near New Orleans, and I am an appellate attorney. So if you lose at trial, you can hire me, or if the other side loses and they want to take an appeal, you can hire me for that, too. That's fantastic. And guys, so we're looking, obviously, we, we have everybody on screen. And we're looking at Marcus, and Marcus is in one of the most unusual places that we've had somebody record from. But, yeah. you know, it, it's very it's a, it's a very southern place where he's sitting. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> is it a rocking chair, Marcus, by the way? It looks like a rocking chair. Yes! <laughs> uh, I can confirm I'm in a rocking chair. Marcus, Marcus is literally sitting on a porch outside in a rocking chair recording Trivial Warfare. <laughs> yep. Oh, wow, look at that. It's amazing. It's beautiful. 
And there's a there's a statue of a goose next to him. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sure that there is a mason jar with sweet tea not far away. <laughs> I wish there was. <laughs> Welcome to the show, guys. We're so glad to have you. Well, guys, uh, Chris isn't with us today, so the part of Chris is going to be played by Jonathan, and it is time for Warm It Up, Chris. It's time to warm it up, a trivial warfare today. And there's only one person who can warm it up for the TWA, and that's Chris, and sometimes Jonathan. And today, Jonathan. All right, guys, so today's Warm It Up Chris comes to us from Jackie Svekis. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you, Jackie. Jackie. And this is a fun one. I have a list of items that may or may not have been installed in or on a car in an episode of MTV's Pimp My Ride. <laughs> okay, I want you to tell me if this was installed in a car on Pimp My Ride or was not. Okay? I have watched a lot of the show. <laughs> I've, wa- I've watched a bit of it too. So yeah. This will be fun. All right, we will start with Carmela. Carmela? Yes. A diamond-crusted rubber ducky hood ornament. Hmm. Is that something that X to the Z exhibit would put on a car? I'm going to say it was on a car. It was not on a car. Oh, it is something that, was... that Jonathan made up last night. I don't know. Right. I want to see a diamond encrusted rubber ducky. I'd be okay with that. See that? I thought it was pretty legit. All right. Um, ben. Yes. A fireplace. <laughs> Did they put a fireplace on or in a car? Like a real fireplace or like one of those screens that just looks like a fireplace? Like a fireplace. Okay. I'm going to say yes. Correct answer is yes. <laughs> they put a fireplace in a car. It sounds like too ridiculous for you to make up. <laughs> uh, I came up with a diamond encrusted rubber ducky hood ornament. Yeah, but fireplace in a car is way more ridiculous than that. <laughs> All right, Asha. You get a hibachi grill. <laughs> a hibachi grill? I say yes. No, Jonathan made that up. It is not. They did not put a hibachi grill in a car. Now I'm hungry. Speaking of hungry, Marcus, a juice bar and juicer. That is absolutely something Exhibit would put in a car. It is something Exhibit put in a car. <laughs> I think I saw that episode, actually. All right, Carmela. Yes. A playable rock band kit. Yes. No. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but I thought that would be awesome. Can you imagine? Like you got a big back seat, you got like three or four people back there, and you got the guitars and the drums set up. That'd be awesome. That'd be cool. All these cars are running together, and I'm putting just ridiculous things in them now. <laughs> yeah. All right, Ben. Yep. A pneumatic message delivery system. Pneumatic message delivery system. Like the... Um, like a bank tube? Like a bank tube. Yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> but, but why? Because sometimes you got to pass messages from the front back of the car to the front of the car. I don't know. If my mom needed to do something in the back of the car, she swung at me. <laughs> <laughs> Sit behind her. It's harder to hit. <laughs> uh, I, strategy. I, th- I think I've told this story before, so I'm not going to go like the full story. But one time my grandfather reached back and smacked the hell out of my older brother who was sitting between uh, between the, my cousin, my cousin Joy and I. And so immediately my cousin Joy and I, who were the ones making noise, shut up. And... Uh, <laughs> My grandma's like, well, well, L.A., you managed to hit the good one. <laughs> and my grandpa's response is classic grandpa. He's like, 
They shut up, didn't they? <laughs> Bob literally taking one for the team. Oh, Bob took so many for my my um me getting in trouble and him ending up taking the brunt of it. That happened as a theme throughout our childhood. Uh, okay, who is who is next? It's Asha's Asha. Next me. All right, Asha. A poker table. Yes, poker table. The answer is no. He did not install oh a poker table. All right. See, I'm pretty good at making yeah, up stuff. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good decor. Way I think Jonathan should start his own show. Yeah, see, this is an idea. Ernie right can be the first guest, and you can give him a rubber ducky. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marcus, a pool table. I feel like if you just said a poker table, and that was a no, it's got to be a yes. Uh oh. Game theory. Game theory. The answer is yes. It's nice. the full, like a full truck bed. He took the bed and made the whole thing a pool table. I remember that. So, like, you could, after you've stopped and you've parked, you can play pool outside. She can never use that truck again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Carmela. Okay. A popcorn maker. Yes. Yes is correct. Mm-hmm. He did make a popcorn. I remember that one. I remember that one. Yeah. I'm the whole time sitting there going, "Say popcorn maker. Say popcorn maker." <laughs> Um, who's next? Ben. Yep. A shoe shine booth. <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. No, oh. he did not put a shoe shine booth in a car. He, but he put one what in an airport. A shoe shine <laughs> booth. Why would you say yes to that, Ben? Hey man, if, if it's a fireplace, no, no bet. All bets are off at that point. Asha, a putting green. Yes. No, he did not put oh. a putting green in the car. <laughs> it's not too late to kick me off your team, Ben. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. All right, uh, Marcus, a terrarium. I, I definitely remember that episode. He did put a terrarium in a car. He absolutely did. There's also an episode with an aquarium that was put in a car. Wow. Carmela. Yes. Mud flaps with LCD monitors. I hope that's no. Yes. Oh my god, that's so Why? stupid. Yes. <laughs> Why would you do that? These are outside of the car, the mud flaps, and the cars behind you would see the LCD monitors showing a TV show on them. Uh, ben. Yes. <sighs> a library. No. I want that in my car. <laughs> the answer is no. <laughs> he did not put a library in a car. Lame. But I thought like that could be pretty freaking cool. That was the first one I thought <laughs> it of. It seems like an oxymoron that you would spend that much money to put something that highbrow on a car. Yeah, but think about how cool it would be. Like the back of an SUV, like you got two bench seats and then a, co- a corner wall dedicated to uh, bookcases. That'd be cool, man. It would be a bookmobile. A bookmobile. Oh! <laughs> For sure. No, 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 bookman. <laughs> Asha. An inflatable passenger. <laughs> where, do, where do they get the inflatable passenger? <laughs> yes. No, Jonathan made that up. <laughs> and they got it at Spencer's. Did they look surprised? <laughs> <laughs> Not that kind of passenger. I was, so when I made that up, I was thinking about Otto from Airplane. Oh, okay. And I was thinking about... 
you could do this to like get away with using the HOV lane. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's what I was thinking when I made that up. Yeah, but Carmela's line of thinking, it can be multi-purpose. <laughs> Jeez. Did they look so <laughs> They always, They always do. They always do. All right, Marcus, last one. Slot machine operated locks. Yes. Yes is correct. To unlock the back of the van, you had to get through the slots and get bar, bar, bar. Across oh, my God. That would irritate the hell out. I'm like, I just want my groceries. <laughs> Sorry, you got two cherries and an orange. You're not getting in here. My ice cream is melting. <laughs> That's amazing. All right, guys, that is today's Warm It Up, Chris. Great job. You've just set the high bar for comedy in this episode, by the way. (laughs) Oh, this is genius. That was so much fun. All right, guys, so today's game, it's a three-on-one. It's going to be Ben and Asha and Marcus versus Jonathan with Carmella hosting, all right? And it's time to play the game. Play us. Oh, yeah. Y'all know what time it is. This is Mr. Literature himself cordially inviting you to the game. This is six rounds of trivia goodness. Three questions per round. Every right answer gets you 10 points. In the middle, we'll take a pause for the cause and ask a midpoint question worth up to 20 juicy points. After round six, you can wager any or all those points you've been building up and take a shot at the final round. It's a series of theme-based questions we call the gauntlet. It's just that easy, baby. But this game ain't gonna play itself, players. Let's get it on. All right, your first category in round one is Before They Were Famous. Before They Were Famous, okay. Bob Ross's PBS show, The Joy of Painting, ran from 1983 until 1994. Before Bob was a famous painting instructor, he had a long military career and was known as Bust-Em-Up Bobby to the men who worked under him. In what U.S. branch did he serve? I am locked in. I have no idea. I'm leaning towards Air Force, but I don't have any real logic for that. Air Force or Marines? Where where would he bust them up? There may be some information there. I don't know. He could have been a boxer and then chose a more peaceful life as a painter. That would be pretty interesting. I was going to bust them up, but then I got high. <laughs> 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 you know what? You, like, you would calm down after that. <laughs> yeah, you would. You would. It does seem like like he would fit the model of someone who was a real badass in the military and decided to do something, you know, more peaceful and what he would consider to be productive. So if we're yeah, gonna I'm, go badass of badasses, a Marines immediately comes to mind. That sounds good to me. I have no idea. Uh there's a lot of boxers in the Navy, but I like the Marines. I mean, bust them up, Bobby. Let's go with it. All right. Locking in with Marines. Okay. I'm pretty sure Bob Ross was a member of the Marines. So he was a drill instructor for, and he spent 20 years in the Air Force. Really? Oh, Air Force. Oh, I thought he was a Marine. Uh, So he was in the Air Force from 61 to 81, uh, retired as a master sergeant. And uh, after he retired, he swore he would never raise his voice again. Because he was uh, like a hard ass gotcha. in the military. Well, you had to be if you're a drill sergeant. So, right. Yeah. 
All right. Next category is ancient home turfs. Okay. Greek philosophers Socrates and Plato called what city-state home? I'm locked in. Don't know. Don't know. So city-states. So let's start naming some city-states. So you got Sparta. Sparta! That's what I had the first one I thought of. <laughs> you got uh, Marathon. A- Athens. Athens. Might be Athens. Athens seems like the best answer. I agree. It's, it's what first came to my head, so. Yeah. All right. We'll lock in with Athens. All right. I'm even more confident about Athens than I was about Marines. So I said Athens. It is indeed Athens. Sweet. All right. I guess when in doubt, just go with the capital city. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, you know, Athens was kind of the um, academic area of Greece. It was the center of philosophy for the whole world at that point in time. Mm-hmm. All right. Your last category in the round is, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. <laughs> damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor, not a engineer. <laughs> Whatever. Aristolic acid found in birthwort plants was once used in ancient Chinese medicine back in the 5th century. It had continued use throughout history up until it was linked to cases of nephritis that eventually led to organ failure. What organ does nephritis attack? I finally know one. I I trust you, Asha. If you want to lock in, I trust you. We can wait. That's fine. Oh, she... (laughs) (laughs) I'm... uh, It's one of two, and I... I get this one mixed up all the time, and I'm trying to think of, I, I know which, which organs I'm thinking of, and if I can come up with the prefix for the other one, then I'll be confident, and right now it's just taking a minute. If I miss it, I'm going to be uh, ashamed. I'm going to be so ashamed. All right, I'm locked in. No, <laughs> no, yes, all right, I'm locked in. Oh, God. I'm going to be embarrassing when I miss this. <laughs> <laughs> so my older sister is a nephrologist. Oh. And she is a kidney doctor. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So lock Yeah, we'll lock, lock in with that. In. Yep. Obviously the two that I was choosing between were the liver and the kidney. And which one did you pick? And I just could not think there's there's a specific prefix for the liver and a specific prefix for the kidney. I knew one of them was nephra and I could not remember what the other one was. And so I ended up having a 50-50, which was just the stupidest thing. And I said, liver. God help me, I said liver. <laughs> so it is, um, so this particular acid was being used in uh, weight loss drugs. And it ended up causing uh, nephritis in women, which eventually led to kidney failure. <sighs> liver is hep, right? Because that's hepatitis. Yeah. That's, ah. Oh. Yep. And the the kidneys produce something. I think they produce something called nephrons. I mean, nephrons are a thing that come out of the kidney. And I, <laughs> <laughs> That's painful. I, I feel your pain, bro. Oh, man. That sucked. All right. After the first round, Ben, Asha, and Marcus have a 10-point lead. It is 20 to 10. See, the thing is, it's going against three people at once. You can't make dumb mistakes. You know what I mean? And that was a pretty dumb mistake. So... Not boating well for me, but good job for you guys. All right. Your first category in round two is Let's Start a Riot. I love these category names, by the way. They're great. Come on, feel the noise. (laughs) Or Let's Start a Riot by Three Days Grace. Whichever. (laughs) (laughs) The revolution in Russia that led to the establishment of the Soviet Union 
began with the February Revolution in 1917. A major hallmark of this event was that the Tsar tried to use the army to suppress rioting in what city? What year? 1917. Man, I hope it's not that. There's three that I'm thinking of, and I'll say more after you guys go, uh, but I've locked in. All right, so I immediately wrote down Moscow and St. Petersburg. Yeah, that's what I wrote down as well. I couldn't remember if that was a Russian city. I know it's a Florida city. (laughs) (laughs) Go raise. I was thinking St. Petersburg also. I know that it is not Athens or Sparta. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that helps narrow it down. It sounds like he's got a bead on it. Yeah, I I thought Moscow would be too obvious of an answer, and I don't know... I don't rem- I don't remember whether Moscow was kind of the the seat of the government at that time. I do know that after communism came to power, you had Stalingrad and Leningrad. They changed the names of those cities. So I'm leaning towards St. Petersburg. I'm good with that. I have nothing to add, so let's go with it. All right. We're locking with St. Petersburg. All right. I, I just didn't want it to be Moscow. If it's Moscow and she just asked for the capital city, then then... I just hate missing that, but I went ahead and said St. Petersburg as well. So at the time, it was known as Petrograd, uh, but currently it is known as St. Petersburg. All right. The city whose name always changes. Yes. A lot. (laughs) All right. Your next category is surreal estate. Oh, that's a... You are on point this week. (laughs) What television mogul that passed away in the late 2000s has the words, I will not be right back after this message inscribed on their tombstone? Hmm. And by late 2000s, you mean the aughts, the oos? Yes. Okay. I would call this decade the 2010s. I'm going to go ahead and lock in, but I'm pretty confident I'm wrong. I'm trying to write, I'm writing down TV mogul. So Merv Griffin came to my mind first. Um, and then I just wrote down Linkletter, but I think he died way before that because he was already pretty old in the 50s and 60s, I think. My original thought was, and, and this is not necessarily someone who is on TV as a actor a lot, was Mel Blank, maybe, who voiced a lot of cartoons. Mm. Mm. Yeah, the date would be right for his death because he lived until he was pretty old, I think. Hmm. That's interesting. Was he a TV mogul? See, when I think mogul, I think it's the guy that owns the place, you know, the, the yeah. executive producer. But that sounds like something Mel Blank would say. I was, I was thinking. I think he voiced the uh, the cartoon pig. Mm-hmm, Porky said, pig. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll be right back. Yeah, I can't do the voice. Man, but, you know, uh, I, I like. I'm really liking Mel Blank there because I'm drawing a Mel Blank. <laughs> <laughs> I'm willing to go with it if you guys are. All right. Let's uh let's go ahead and lock in mail blank. I didn't know either. Obviously, I was I feel like it's gonna be a studio head. You know? Like uh I, I just don't those aren't the names of people that I know. It's it's hard enough for me to keep up with pop culture for the actors and the actresses and the that that and the so when it gets to down to like directors, I start doing really poorly because that's not something I pay attention to. When it gets to, like, studio folk, forget it. I'm never remembering any of them. Uh, so I just wrote down Tori. Not Tori. I just wrote down spelling Tori. Jeez. Uh, I just wrote down <laughs> spelling, like Aaron spelling. Like, like Aaron spelling. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. So Mel Blanc, uh, 
he has an interesting headstone. Uh, at the top, it says, that's all, folks. It also says, does not say that. Oh, sure it does. No, it doesn't. There's a whole lot of that at the top. And then at the bottom, at the bottom, it says, that's all, folks. I'm a weird person who likes to look at weird headstones. And I've seen Mel Blanks. I know this person uh, as the elevator killer from The Man with Two Brains. He's also the guy who created Jeopardy. It's Merv Griffin. Oh, oh my gosh. Merv Griffin, <laughs> there. That damn, damn, damn. <laughs> created oh. uh, Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. You were right there. So sorry, Ben. Oh, Marcus pulled you away. He'll never no. forgive you, Marcus. I don't, no, I don't, that's I don't, not I don't true. regret it. I don't regret it. But now you got to find out what was on uh, Mel Blanc's headstone. So if I ever ask that again. I thought Mel Blank was a really good answer. No, I, I actually almost did Mel Blank, but I thought, you know, a man of a thousand voices might have been a little easy. She's <laughs> well, there's, there's a guy now who's challenging him for that title. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he does Pinky on Pinky in the Brain and literally does like every cartoon out there and almost every movie this guy has a voice in. Mm. It's insane how many voices he Billy does. Billy West is kind of like that. All right. Your last category in the round is Let's Eat. Let's Eat. I like it. What kind of cooking technique involves submerging food in liquid at a relatively low temperature? I think I know this. I've locked in. So it's it's sous vide, right? I don't know if she's looking for sous vide or poaching, which is a more generalized term. Sous vide is a type of poaching, right? Right. Well, she said submerge, and I don't think to poach you actually have to fully submerge. Like when you poach an egg, it's not... You know, there's still some of this floating at the top well, of the yeah, water. Well, yeah, because the egg is less dense than the water is. That's why it floats. Sarns! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling strongly about poaching here. What were you saying, Asha? Oh, I was saying uh, sous vide sounded good to me. <sighs> <laughs> you got two on one. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, po- poaching is what I wrote down. Can you repeat the question, please, Carmela? What kind of cooking technique involves submerging food and liquid at a relatively low temperature? Submerging food and liquid in liquid at a relatively low temperature. Mm-hmm. So like when you are making a crock pot meal, like my wife likes to put a roast in the crock pot and simmer it overnight. And then I wake up, I wake up smelling roast and I want to eat pot roast for breakfast. <laughs> I've had brisket for breakfast. <laughs> That's a brisket. So sous vide, you're actually putting you're putting the food in a bag first, right? And then submerging the bag in the water. Right. Hmm. I'm I'm feeling thunder about poaching. Do y'all want to gang up on him and vote him out? Or do you I don't have enough thunder to vote him out. So I, I think that the whole hook about sous vide is that you you vacuum seal the food, and then you put it in the container under the water, and you cook it. It's really low, like it's in the 120s, 130s if it's meat. Even for poaching, you're not quite boiling the water, so it's probably still in the 170s or 180s. I mean, I guess relatively low compared to what it would normally be cooked at. All right, so I need to I have some information. I actually just researched this for the next game that we're playing. And I'm pretty sure what I had 
was poaching. I don't remember if I selected as a question yet, and obviously I'm not going to look at it now. <laughs> I'm about to get a right answer in the next game, I can tell you that. <laughs> no, you're about to get a replacement question is what you're about to get. <laughs> I'm going to be mad if the answer is sous vide because I'm pretty sure it's, it's this is describing the term poaching. So if it helps, sous is the French word for under. Fine, we'll go with sous vide. <laughs> oh, man, I can't believe you gave in. Locked in. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, remember at the beginning where I said, I'm pretty sure I know this one? Yeah, that's total bullcrap. I have no idea. <laughs> um, I've never even heard of sous vide, and I'm not exaggerating. I, I've heard of poaching. The super weird thing is, for the first time, I heard that word, like, this week. Wow. I can't remember where now, but... I didn't know it until this week either. Yeah, seriously, me either. So I said blanching. I thought that was a thing. So blanching is when you uh, boil something uh, for a short period of time and then you shock it by putting in ice water under cold water. Oh, you know what? That was pretty close then. I don't feel bad about my answer. But what I am looking for is poaching. Poaching, yeah. Oh. When Ben said that he researched it, y'all should have given in on that, man. I would have been like, okay, that's going to be it. Sous vide requires you to put it in a container before you submerge it. Poaching means you can put the food directly, directly into, into water. water, milk, uh, broth. There's uh, traditional French cooking. It's like wine and butter. Yep. yep, yep, yep Sorry, yep, Ben. Yep, yep. Ben, you had a lack of thunder, man. You said thunder, but you didn't bring thunder. You like? He's like, I have, I have thunder here. No, man, that's not how you have thunder. A thunderstorm doesn't roll in like boom, bang, boom, bang. It, you got the boom. That, the thunder was there, just the storm was far away. Okay. Man. All right. Well, after the second round, it is 30 to 20. You guys still have your 10 point lead because I don't know anything about cooking yet. <laughs> I'm going to change that because I'm going to keep asking you food questions. Okay. Well, you know what? I'll learn. And you keep, get, you keep getting that HelloFresh, man. You're going to be an expert pretty soon. <laughs> I like the sound of that. I don't know if they've ever made us poach anything. HelloFresh, let's poach some stuff. There you go. And, hey, you know what? Let's sous vide something, too. There you go. I've like had some sous vide stuff. It's an interesting way to cook. And wh while we're at it, why don't we just pan something? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lacquer a box. I had a bootleg sous vide a few weeks ago. I had some steaks. And I double wrapped them in Ziploc bags and dunked them in water in my crock pot and let them sit for like five hours. Hmm. How did it come and, out? And marinate. Came out pretty good because I marinated them hmm. and then cooked them low and then I just kind of seared them on the grill. Okay, so you seared them afterwards. Yes, yeah, I put yeah, I, I seared them on the grill afterwards. So they were the tender serum. and marinated and the juices yep. were all in there, but then they got a little crisp on the. Then they got some. Yep, good. It was That's really good. good. Cool. All right, your first category in round three is That's My Mama. <laughs> That's my mama. <laughs> that was a great show in the seventies. Maria Teresa was the only female ruler of the House of Habsburg and ruled over 11 countries, including Austria, Hungary, and Bohemia, from 1740 until her death in 1780. This is not including her titles through marriage, which were the Duchess of Lorraine, the Grand Duchess of Tuscany, and Holy Roman Empress. Among her 16 children, two became Holy Roman Emperors and two became queens. Maria Carolina was the queen of Naples and Sicily. Who was the other queen? There was a lot there. Uh, I can read it again. I need you to read it again because <laughs> I wasn't sure what part to really focus on until the end. <laughs> Maria Teresa was the only female ruler of the House of Habsburg and ruled over 11 countries, including Austria, Hungary, and Bohemia, from 1740 until her death in 1780. This is not including her titles through marriage, Duchess of Lorraine, Grand Duchess of Tuscany, 
and Holy Roman Empress. Among her 16 children, two became Holy Roman Emperors and two became queens. Maria Carolina was the queen of Naples and Sicily. Who was the other queen? I just feel like she redefined the working mother. Like you had 16 <laughs> kids and was ruling 11 countries, man. That's yeah. that's putting in work. On top of what she married into. Yeah, that's, that's putting in work. <laughs> that's putting in work. <laughs> All right, I'm locked in. First of all, I can't think of any queens that aren't, you know, UK or, or Great English. Great, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was writing down like Victoria and Anne and all these other names. But I have a feeling this would be like, you know, Roman or Italian if she was in that region of the world at that time. Seems like Victoria. Would it be too early for Victoria? I think it's a right for time for Victoria. It's too early for Elizabeth. Yeah. So I would probably say if I, we can't think of anything else as a go to Victoria route. But during that time, because that was, oh gosh, there was a king in England at that time because that was 1776 in the middle of that. Yeah, it was George the Third, yes. I think. I'm trying to avoid the. <laughs> Good job. I know it was George. I don't know which one it was, but I know it was, it was the George. Third. Okay, it was Jorge the <laughs> Third. Yes. Yeah. Who was the monarch in the War of 1812? Do we know who that was? I just recently read an ebook about that. If Victoria, I think Victoria would have to have been born towards the end of Maria Theresa's life for the, the dates to fit. This is not a strong suit of mine, by the way, <laughs> in case it wasn't obvious. <laughs> what, what's interesting about the conversation right now is that you're spending all of your energy trying to disprove Victoria as your option, but you haven't come up with any alternatives to go with. <laughs> if you yeah, successfully true. disprove the person you're talking yeah, about, true. you haven't yes. chosen anybody else to go with. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm good with Victoria. Okay. Because anything else I can think of is either way too early or way too late. Yeah. How about you, sir? I have a big sous vide bag of nothing. <laughs> he is boiling his bag. I'm sorry, Mark. <laughs> okay. Um, in that case, we'll lock in with Victoria. All right. Okay. So an interesting thing that it seemed like you guys assumed was that queen meant the, the overall ruler of the country at the time. So like George III had a queen. George III's queen was Queen Charlotte. So I was not assuming that it would have to be the overall ruler of any country. The two names that I was debating with, because this is the Habsburg Empire, right? And this is this woman's progeny ruled the world at this point in history. Like every ruler was related to every other ruler through this family. The two that I boiled it down to were Marie Antoinette and Catherine the Great. So Marie Antoinette was uh, Louis XVI's queen. She was the one who was uh, killed in the French Revolution of the, the 1790s, 1794, I think. And she was Austrian. I know she was Austrian. My problem is that when I remember this story, which I've refreshed recently, um, they always referred to her Austrian cousins. Because Austria, Austria invaded France during this period ostensibly to uh, put the ruling family back on the throne. It was not anywhere near so cut and dry. 
Uh, but they always referred to her cousins in Austria. And if it was a direct lineage, as if she was the daughter of Maria Theresa, then I would expect it to be more than cousins with the other people. The one that I think is siblings with some of the other rulers is Catherine the Great. And so I chose Catherine the Great, and I'm hoping for the best. Again, Maria Theresa ruled over Austria. So it was Maria Theresa, Maria Carolina, and Maria Antonia, who was better known as Marie Antoinette of France. So it was Antoinette. Yes. Dang it, dang it, dang it! I was right there and I chose the wrong one. Well, you have to think, Maria Theresa died in 1780. The French Revolution didn't happen until about a decade later, so it was very possible that her, a cousin was ruling in that at that time. Well, it was Leo Leo the second or third was the Holy Roman. It, was, it doesn't matter. Oh, I, I just know the family was, I thought, I was trying to go based on the family members. That's one of those where you couldn't be any closer without getting it right. You know what I mean? Uh, I think I think they do know what yeah, you we, mean. We, we, we know. <laughs> Been there. It's almost like I poached it. <laughs> all right your next category is oh yeah i need a sports question <laughs> <laughs> the nfl draft is going on right now right now like, literally right now right now, right now. Right now. Um, the cleveland browns got to pick first this year who is picking last like overall last oh my god are you serious i am serious i looked at many lists uh i know who picks last in the see the thing about this is it's not hard to know who has the last pick in the round in general, right? That's easy. Um, but with seventh rounders and trades and compensatory picks and whatnot, that's where it gets really goofy. I'm straying away from the obvious logic, and I'm locked in with what's probably wrong. So my logic is... The last pick in the draft is going to follow the same logic as the last pick in the round, roughly, which typically is the team that won the Super Bowl or a Super Bowl participant. So my guess would be the Eagles, although I wouldn't be surprised that the Patriots would also have that pick because they always seem to have the right picks at the right time. (laughs) Yeah, I had written down the Eagles, the Patriots, and the Ravens since they were the last pick in the first round. Mm -hmm. But... I don't know. I was thinking same logic, the Eagles and say one. But could it also be the Browns again? Like they get the first pick and last pick since they were so great this year. <laughs> a little shade on Cleveland. Yep. Perfect season. Hey, they got a parade. Yeah, perfect season. Just perfect in the wrong direction. Yeah, there you go. I would not throw a parade for that. <laughs> We are the Brown, best hey, losers. Like somebody, like somebody said on a Facebook group, Brown's going to Brown. <laughs> Brown's going to Brown. That wasn't the Facebook group. That was me. Oh, that, was my, your, that, that was my your personal yeah, page. That, that was your personal page, yes. yeah. It's kind of like a group. You know, I'm thinking Eagles or Browns, one of the two. Brown? Brown. Brown. I'm telling you, Medea got a prostate. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Well, there's that. <laughs> Because I saw it, I saw when you said that in the play and the movie, and that's what made it so good. So, back to the original question: <laughs> Anyone have any thoughts? Marcus, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't know why it would differ from any other round, and I don't know why anybody would will be willing to give anything up to get in that very last pick. It's probably not going to help their team too much. 
I'm fine with Eagles. All right. We'll lock in with Eagles. All right. Jonathan? So the Eagles definitely had the 32nd pick, which is the last pick in the first round. They traded it uh, last night or two nights ago to the Ravens. That's how the Ravens ended up with it. Any draft pick has value. There's a lot of players who never get drafted, and you're fighting over the rights to sign those people. So if you can draft somebody in the seventh round, they have to be on your team, and so you don't have to fight for them. So even the last pick in the draft definitely has some value. I listen to a decent amount of sports stuff, um, and I think I heard a prop bet uh, recently over who would who the last pick in the draft would be. So it was just a goofy try and predict this, right? And I could have sworn that as part of that prop bet, the team that they mentioned with that last pick in the draft was the Chiefs. So no rhyme or reason, no logic on the round or the reason. It's just I think I heard in the last couple of weeks that the Chiefs have that pick. And I could be remembering it wrong, but I said the Chiefs. The last pick of the draft, as of when I wrote this question, which was the day before the draft started, was the Philadelphia Eagles. Dang it! Yeah! <laughs> Dang it! I'm just giving points away! I'm just giving them away! <laughs> I'm having a great time. We would like to dedicate this uh, episode to the Red Hot Chili Pepper. Give it away. <laughs> oh my god. I'm, that's 20 points I've given away. Uh, question three. Your category is the Candyman can. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory had some pretty memorable songs, including the Candyman. Can you tell me what sweet treat completes this lyric? Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in a sigh, soak it in the sun, and make a groovy what? Can you repeat the lyrics, please? Sure. Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in a sigh, soak it in the sun, and make a groovy what? I'm going to go over in this round because I am locked in with my wrong answer. I don't know this song. I know the song, but I don't know the song at all. Yeah, so I'm trying to grab this. I guess it was, you know, Sammy Davis, whoever sung it. Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in the sun, soak it in the sun to make a groovy. So would it rhyme with sigh or sun? I'm thinking it would rhyme with sigh. So maybe it's some kind of pie, like cherry pie, apple pie. Something like that. Yeah, I've got nothing, but pie sounds good. Yeah, my original thought was some kind of pie. I don't know if that's specific enough. Yeah, so whenever we talk about pie, I always think about The Rock's favorite pie. I don't think it's that, though. <laughs> don't think it's that. Um, apple pie would fit well into the cadence of the song. Yeah, that's the best that I I can't even come up with anything, so. I was thinking lemon pie, just because soak it in the sun, but that's not sweet. And I don't want to forever ruin my friendship with Ben. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's, this, this is the problem. When you've, when you've gone off track on an answer, it limits your confidence, but you could actually have a right answer and be afraid to put thunder behind it because of what happened in the past. I've seen that happen on the show more than once. I agree that lemon pie will not doesn't classify as a sweet treat. Um, so I think we should go with apple pie here. Okay. All right. We'll lock in with apple pie. I was also searching for the rhyme with the couplet. 
And um, I just went with Pi and figured that she'd have to ask me for more information if I was um, close. So I said Pi. You're going to have to give me more information. I said piece of pie. <laughs> Who can take a rainbow, wrap it in a sigh, soak it in the sun and make a groovy lemon pie? Oh, lemon pie! Oh, no. oh, my God! Oh, my God, I'm raging. <laughs> I'm raging. I'm raging. He's raging, people. I'm raging. Oh, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's not sweet. It it's is. Also not candy. What the hell is the candy man doing right now? <laughs> man, he's he's stretching out. Wow. Man, wow. This is I did, did I call it sweet. Did I not call it, Marcus? Did I not call it? <laughs> Marcus like, I don't have any problem. I'm not I this God. is what I think, but I'm not going there. All of his thunders in that sous vide bag. <laughs> <laughs> and it's still soaking. He can't take it out yet. It's not at the temp. All right. At the end of the third round. Low scores, guys. It's 40 to 20. Oh. Jonathan is losing by 20, but it's really still anybody's game at this point. What was the score? 40 to 20. <laughs> <laughs> Did I make wow. these too hard? No, not really. To be honest, it should be 40 to 40, but I've been um, choosing poor things. No, we I've, In all of all of the ones we've missed, the right answer was discussed, I think, in all of them. Is like a couple. <laughs> yeah. So you we, we've been always in the neighborhood. So your midpoint is science. 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 Of attraction. Ooh, of attraction. I'm a sorry. I, I don't know anything about this, but I'm hoping this question can teach me something. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there are seven elements that are considered diatomic, meaning that they are commonly found bonded to each other in molecules. For example, hydrogen is commonly found in its diatomic form of H2. Name five out of the other six. Just the name of the element, right? Just the name of the element. You don't have to give me H2 or anything like that. Just tell me what the element is. So does it matter how many of them are bonded to them here? They would always be a two. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking because it's oh. diatomic. Diatomic, yes. Diatomic. Oh. Okay. okay. Got it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. They would always be a two or could something also be triatomic? I said most commonly found bonded to each other in a diatomic form. All right, I've written down five elements, which maybe one or two of them could be right, so I'm locked in. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping. Because it looks bad if you guys don't get things right. (laughs) (laughs) It looks bad on me, so come on. (laughs) How do you think we feel? So oxygen is a lock. I know that one for sure. Um, The other ones are guesses. So I I wrote down nitrogen. Um, I wrote down silicon. And then I have carbon in brackets. As a wild card. So what I'm thinking here is a lot of the elements on the periodic table that are in the same row often have the same, some, they have similar characteristics. For example, the halogens, which is chlorine, fluorine, bromine, etc., they tend to have similar bonding properties. Um, that's, that's why they're in the same row. So I know that oxygen and sulfur are in the same row. So it would make sense that they would be found bonded together. Now, the problem with that is sulfur is a solid at room temperature where oxygen is a gas. And we probably are trying to limit ourselves to gases here. I also had written down carbon, nitrogen, oxygen, and I had helium written down also. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had oxygen, nitrogen, and helium. I like helium. I'm trying to think those lighter... Lighter elements, the first few, 
on the table. Yeah, I was also trying to think about are there any alkaline metals over there? So like sodium, uh, potassium, all those. I don't think so, though. Yeah, I had potassium written down and I crossed it off because I didn't think that would be because then I just started going for the gases also. Yeah, I don't know if you're, if any of your metals are going to be bonded like that. Helium would make sense. It's a noble gas, which means it doesn't react easily with any other gas. So it would make sense that it would bond to itself if it doesn't if it isn't going to bond with anything else. It also stands up for its friends in times of trouble. It does. It absolutely does. <laughs> So, do we want to think about any other noble gases there? So, you got neon, you got xenon, all those ons. Argon, radon. Yep. I tell you, oxygen and helium, I like those. I like nitrogen also. I know that nitrogen is the most commonly found element or the most most abundant element in the Earth's atmosphere. So, it will make sense if there's a lot of it around that is going to bond to itself. So, yeah, sounds good to me. So oxygen, helium, nitrogen. I want to throw carbon in there just as a wild card. And I like I like selenium. Selenium? I'm good with that. All right. So we're going to lock in with oxygen, nitrogen, helium, carbon, and selenium. Okay. All righty. I also said oxygen, even though I stressed a little bit because O3 is ozone. Um, so... It definitely has some tries as well. I had a lot of the same thoughts. I ended up going with a metal, just one. I said oxygen, nitrogen, boron, lithium, and carbon. All right. So your other six diatomic elements are nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, chlorine, iodine, and Ben's favorite element, Bromine. Four halogens in this. It was the halogens, Ben. If you just named your halogens, you'd have been beautiful. Oh my god! You were like, "It's not the halogens." I'm like, "No, Ben, no." Those damn halogens got me again. (laughs) What's funny is we were just talking about it. That's why why when you said bromine, I'm like, "Oh." (laughs) I mean, that's hilarious that that came up like that in this game. Oh my god, I can't believe I cannot believe this is if you if y'all knew the week that I had this week. <laughs> How could this happen oh to me? So was carbon one of them? Carbon was not one of them. Okay. Wow. So we both got eight? Yep. You both got nitrogen and oxygen. I that's a win for me. Hey, I mean eight points is eight points. No, but I mean to uh to not fall further behind in science against <laughs> the three of them is a win for me. Also true. Yeah. I keep trying to give myself 48 points over here. No. Bad, Jonathan. Bad. <laughs> All right. At the end of the first half, Ben, Asha, and Marcus have 48 points. I have 28 points. 48 to 28. All right. That is the end of the first half. And before we go to the second half, I have a couple of trivia questions for you. Uh, these are my two favorite trivia questions from this week's Water Cooler Trivia. The first one is... Small Steps is a 2006 sequel to the young adult novel Holes by Lewis Sackar. The book follows what character whom Stanley befriended at Camp Green Lake and is nicknamed After a Body Part. And my other favorite question, what geographic name comes from the Sanskrit words meaning abode of snow? Now, before I give you those answers, I want to remind you about water cooler trivia where these questions came from. 
So Water Cooler Trivia is the awesome trivia game that you can get emailed to you and a group of friends or coworkers every Monday. All you have to do is go to watercoolertrivia.com to sign up. Here's how it works. You create a group. You determine what style of questions you want, what categories you want, how difficult you want it. And once that group is created, you send the link to the people so they can sign up to play with you. And you will get a quiz every Monday in your email box. You do your best on it. Then on Tuesday, you'll get the scoreboard, which shows you how you did and how everybody else did. This is a great team builder in small group businesses. This is a great team builder for teams inside of larger businesses. It's even great just to do with a group of your own friends. It is an inexpensive way to add some awesome trivia to your world. So create a group today. Go ahead and invite as many coworkers or friends as you want. Your first month will be free. That is four free trivia games to try it out. And after the free trial, the trivia will keep going. You just need to pay a buck or two per participant per month, and uh, you'll get to continue to play. Remember our special deal with Water Cooler Trivia. If you sign up for a full year, you can get three months free. Just use the code Trivial Warfare. That's Trivial Space Warfare in the referral section when you sign up. All right, now I have the answer to those questions. The first one was about the character whom Stanley befriended at Camp Green Lake in Holes. The answer is Armpit. Yes, his name is Armpit. Poor kid. Uh, and then the uh, Sanskrit word meaning snow, Himalaya. Himalaya. Those are your answers to some of my favorite water cooler trivia questions this week. Be sure to go to watercoolertrivia.com to sign up and use the code Trivial Warfare to sign up for a full year and get three months off. All right, let's get back to the game and the second half. So your first category in round four is hops to it. All right. I had the very distinct pleasure of having a few craft beers with Dustin Rush a couple weeks ago. Dustin's home state of Colorado has the second most number of craft breweries in the United States with over 250. What U.S. state has the most craft breweries, according to Thrillist.com? Oh, my. What U.S. state has the most craft breweries? Yep. Also, hi, Dustin. Hey, Dustin. You know what? Um, I have I have a logic. You're not going to use your B logic? Nope. Nope, I'm going with A logic this time. I'm locked in, and I'm hopeful. I'm probably wrong, but I'm hopeful. All right, so <laughs> I don't know why, but I'm like, okay, this is probably going to be a blue state. I can't tell you why. Because I feel like your red states probably aren't going to be as big on craft breweries as your blue states. I don't know what the logic is behind that. This is oddly political. <laughs> but if, if so, Colorado's number two, they at least lately have kind of been leaning towards the blue side. So, so I'm thinking this will either be something craft brew. So I know that there's, you know, there's a huge brewery in St. Louis for Anheuser-Busch. You know, Wisconsin's got, you know, Mil uh, Miller. There's a lot of, well, Florida has a ton of craft breweries. I think Jacksonville's got like 10 of them alone. Just in Jacksonville. Including one that I took Dustin to. There you go. You know, where are there going to be a whole lot of hipsters? You know, California comes to mind. New York State comes to mind. They're everywhere, dude. They are, but, I mean, <laughs> in high populations. So, obviously, Colorado, right? 
So that's where I'm leaning towards blue states. I wouldn't think it'd be like a Kentucky or a Tennessee because those are more like your bourbon, your, your, you know. Your home hard liquor factories. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. I was just getting ready to ask Carmela, Carmela if she was willing to change it to bourbon distilleries because I'd have that locked up. <laughs> <laughs> While bourbon is delicious, bourbon and sweet tea. Yes, it is. <laughs> Unfortunately. So I'm not picking any, any state that touches the Appalachians. Yeah, I'm going to, I would lean towards like a Florida or a Wisconsin or Minnesota, something like that. I was thinking of um, Missouri or Ohio, even. Uh, I know there are some places there, but I have really no idea. All right. So my dog's name is Bourbon. So I know it's not Louisiana uh, or Kentucky. I was thinking Ben's approach with the. Uh, hipsters by population. So I had Washington State, Oregon. I know Massachusetts has a lot of craft breweries, uh, and then California. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Sam Adams is considered a craft brewery, but I know they got a lot of variations of that, and they're based out of Boston. Massachusetts feels like a really strong answer here. Is Massachusetts big enough to have a lot? Well, there's a lot of people there. The state isn't very big, but there's a lot of people that live in that area. California is a big state, obviously, but, you know, you got the big wine scene on it, up in Cali. Um, Washington, Oregon seem like strong answers as well. But I feel like people would drink more beer in Massachusetts. I'm willing to go with that. I have zero thunder. All right. Marcus, what do you think? They, they have a lot of hipsters in Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> I, need a, I need somebody to write an, a magazine article that gives us hipsters per capita for each state. That would be great. Yeah, we need this. I'm pretty sure the hipsters already wrote that article before you suggested it. So <laughs> I'm just saying. And isn't it, that article would be nowhere near as good as this other article that they wrote or they saw three years ago. So we're locking with Massachusetts. All right. So I, I did have two kinds of logic. I did have a B logic. My my B logic. <laughs> but you went with the A logic. Yes. My B logic was we live in Florida. There's a lot of people in Florida. There's a ton of breweries in Florida. I feel like it could totally be Florida. That was my B logic. My A logic was Colorado's population isn't super high. It's not one of the top three or four states. So, so why would Colorado be special in terms of craft breweries and the logic I came up with was there's a massive set of breweries up there around cores. So maybe the closer you are to the beer industry, the more likely you are to have spinoff companies try and do the same thing. And so I went with Missouri. All right. Uh, oddly enough, Massachusetts has uh, some strict uh, laws around alcohol. Like hmm. there, it's, you cannot have happy hour up there. Hmm. So when we were they in Boston, have, they have they have said you will not be happy. We can only have moderately acceptable <laughs> it's, hours. It's, it's their Puritan roots, um, but I'm looking for a state that has over 500 craft breweries, and that's California. Uh, darn it! Wow. Oh, when you said California, I thought Sea Logic. California's big with a lot of people and a lot of hipsters. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so yeah. So uh, Washington, Oregon also have a lot. Uh, they are close to the amount that Colorado has. Colorado has like 250 something. Uh but I mean California has over 500. So I mean, it's not Florida even close. 100 something? Okay. 
Okay. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even consider going big state, lots of people logic, and that was that's clearly going to support California. But I mean, you know, they do have the a lot of uh, wine. wine there, yeah. so it, it does make sense in proximity to that kind of industry. So. Yep. All right, your next category is video games in space. <laughs> the classic first-person shooter Doom follows the adventures of an unarmed space marine, better known as Doom Guy to fans. Around a base that has been invaded on what planet? So basically, where did the first Doom take place? Doom was the generation before mine in terms of... Um, so in, in, in high school, we ended up somehow... My father ended up with a copy of Wolfenstein. Uh, and so <laughs> I, remember, I remember sliding against the walls, holding the space bar down, looking for secret passages in the original <laughs> Wolfenstein. Oh, no, actually, it might have been Wolfenstein 3D, now that I think about it. Well, the same company did Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah. They didn't do the original Wolfenstein. Yeah. so I played Wolfenstein 3D. Um, and then when I got to college, Quake was had been introduced, and we played multiplayer Quake in college uh, in computer labs. Also the same company. Doom, <laughs> Doom is the generation between Wolfenstein 3D and Quake, and I never played Doom. So I don't know. That was a lot of information for nothing. But good job. Well, hey, I aim to please. <laughs> I do know certain maps that are named after moons, which is an interesting way of looking at it in Quake. Yeah, it's the only one. All right, I'm locked in. God, I might only score 28 points in this game, guys. Yeah. It's a distinct possibility. <laughs> I need you guys to stay low with me, okay? <laughs> well, I can help you with that because I've never even heard of this game. Oh, go with her answer, Ben. Yeah. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking Mars. That was the first one at the top of my head because I'm like, okay. So I was just thinking Mars. You know, Venus and Jupiter didn't seem to make any sense to me. Um, I feel like if it was some of the outer planets like a Pluto, more of the cold theme would have factored into that. So. Because Mars isn't cold at all. Because compared to Pluto, it's burning up. <laughs> of course, and then of course, I'm trying to think of the movie adaptation to see if I can get anything from that. The only reasonable place that would be far and close enough for us to send somebody would be Mars. So that's my guess. But of course, isn't the answer always Uranus when we're discussing planets? <laughs> You're sending Marines to explore Uranus. Come on, this yeah. is obviously the right answer. Yeah. Mar- Mars, that, Mars seems like. Yeah, well, I was going to say we'll talk later, but I don't think I want to know that story. I don't think I want to know that story at all. Uh, never mind. I'm gonna, I'm gonna choose. I'm gonna opt out of that. No, I like the Mars answer. Okay. Marcus? Does, does it have to be a planet in our solar system? Could it just be a made-up planet called Doom? Mm. Or is that too obvious? Good question. I, I guess it doesn't have to be um, an actual planet. Could it be Captain Planet? I'll turn Could you into be. a tree. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember playing this game on the computers at Office Depot. I was about <laughs> seven or eight. Yeah, Fabulous. That's what you should have at Office Depot. Yeah, that's because it's really age appropriate game. Exactly. <laughs> here's your calculator. Here's your calculator. Game. Here's your uh, here's your memory machine. Here's your Doom. Yep. Your memory machine. That was the best I could come up with. Uh, 
I don't know, man. I don't know. I'm I'm good with Mars if that's all we got. Me too. Right. Let's go with Mars. All right. My logic was pretty cut and dry. Venus is too hot and shrouded in clouds. I didn't think it would be Venus. Mercury, I didn't think it would be Mercury. It's just empty. Super hot in some places and super cold in others, depending on which side of the sun you're on. I didn't think it was going to be a gas giant, so that eliminates Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune. And I could be Pluto or Mars then, and I chose Mars. Uh, and I know that in... So id is the company that did those games, and in Quake, there were different boards called Phobos and Deimos, which are the moons of Mars. So I thought maybe they were still thinking about Mars. So I said Mars. So I'm going to recommend a book uh, called Masters of Doom by David Kushner. If you get the audio book, it's narrated by Will Wheaton. So cool. Um, and it is about id Software and the, the guys who started it, John Romero and John Carmack. And they talk about Doom and Wolfenstein 3D and all that. By the way, since Carmel is recommending a book, we might as well do an impromptu ad. If you're thinking about picking up that audiobook, you can do that from Audible at audibletrial.com forward slash TWA. When you go there, you can sign up for a 30 day free trial and get a credit for a free audiobook download. So that would be a good one to pick up. And uh, if you're thinking about starting an Audible account, doing it this way helps out Trivial Warfare. So it's a win win for both of us. So that uh, address again is audibletrial.com forward slash TWA. All right, Carmela, what was the answer to the question? I am looking for Mars. Thank God. I wish y'all had said Uranus. (laughs) It would have been funny. (laughs) But I'm like, don't go with the moon because I said planet. Don't go with the moon because I said planet. (laughs) We got that far. I thought about moons. It's like we have sent Bob Ross to explore Uranus. (laughs) Was not a marine. <laughs> Still, whatever. It's going to be a do marine. <laughs> so your last category in the round is literature. Lee, a current event. Literally, a current event. A cur- oh my god! <laughs> Literally, that was tortured. <laughs> You're tortured. <laughs> well, now I am. Literally, Michelle McNamara's novel, or excuse me, Michelle not- McNamara's book. I'll Be Gone in the Dark, was released posthumously earlier this year. This book is about her investigation of a real-life serial killer from the 1970s and has sparked new interest in the case. So much so that the case has been reopened and a suspect has been arrested and put in custody, which literally happened this week. Who was the subject of Michelle McNamara's book? And I'm looking for something like, not not their name, but like Unabomber or something like that. I'm feeling strong, guys. Me too. Me too. I'm locked in and I'm hopeful. So I saw this in my cafe at work um, on Friday. But I remember on the TV them talking about they may have, they did an arrest in the Golden State. Was it the Golden State Killer? Is that what they were calling him? That's what I've written down. Yep, that's what I got. Yep. So we'll lock in with Golden State Killer. Okay. I knew it was California. I wasn't 100% sure, but I wrote down Golden State Killer. So it's it's a fascinating story. I actually have the book. I need to actually finish reading it. But Michelle McNamara is a, was a journalist. She unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, she also happened to be Patton Oswalt's wife. Oh. Comedian Patton Oswalt. Okay. Um, so uh, he, and the, uh, he and some of the other researchers she was working with, they managed to finish the book and they published it. And through that, you know, they managed to reopen the case and they made an arrest a couple of days ago. Wow. Uh, 
And in the book, she referred to him as the Golden State Killer. Wow. Yeah, I was reading a tidbit that said that they, I guess that they were able to get DNA from the evidence of the previous crimes and they uploaded it to like a genealogy site yeah, to make he, matches. Yeah, he, um, I guess he had submitted something to a genealogy site. Oh, like a 23andMe mm-hmm. kind of thing? Wow. So now there's like, well, what does that mean for, you know, privacy in the future and things like that? So, but yeah, so it's a fascinating way that that all came together. But it looks like they may have caught the guy finally. You wow. Know, 30 or so years after his last set of victims. That's the end of the fourth round. The scores are now 68 to 48. You still have that 20-point lead. But we're getting higher. (laughs) (laughs) We're celebrating. (laughs) Higher and higher. So your first category in round five is hashtag throwback Thursday. Hashtag TBT, baby. Oh, yeah. What song by a Bronx native hit number two on the Hot 100 in 1961 with the following lyrics? I'm going to read them all out first and then I'll read them slowly so that way you guys can write them all down. Well, there's Flo on my left and there's Mary on my right. And Janie is the girl, well, that I'll be with tonight. And when she asks me which one I love the best, I'll tear open my shirt and I show Rosie on my chest. I know this song like super well. And the guy's name, I have uh, the person or group's name I have associated (laughs) with it. (laughs) I'm not sure if it's the right one because in the 60s, people would do a song and then another person would do the song two years later. Right. And there's a lot of that going on. I've seen this song done in concert at an oldies concert back in the 80s by a specific artist. And I just don't know if his was the version gotcha. that, that is the big popular one. I'm hearing his voice. I know. I, in fact, I'm going to sing it. That makes me happy. I just listened to it like this week. Oh, then I'm really excited to tell you the story. Okay. <laughs> hey, Jonathan, would you mind singing that out loud, please? No, I can't do that. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth a shot. I'm locked in. All right. So... Had a couple of thoughts here. Um, Nineteen sixty-one definitely sounds like Brat Pack to me. Not not Brat Pack, Rat Pack. I don't know why. <laughs> you are the wrong decade. Ali Sheedy. <laughs> Whatever. It's totally Rob Lowe who did that song. Yeah. So, and I remember um, when the Me Too movement was really hot and heavy in social media. I remember one of my Facebook friends saying that there was a particular song. I think it was a Sinatra song. It was it's a classic song that says something like, you know, hey, what's in this drink? And and they were they said that it could be innuendo for him slipping somebody a Mickey to try to convince them to go back to their place. And, and like there's this whole controversy around that that really old song. So I feel like, OK, there definitely was at least an opportunity for innuendo like this to to happen that early. I'm thinking of somebody in a Rat Pack or that era. So like a Tony Bennett, Frank Sinatra. I wrote down Mill Torme too, but I don't know if he's in the same realm or not. But I feel like those are New York guys. Sinatra, Tony Bennett. I feel like those would be New York guys. The uh the only thought I had was Tony Bennett. I was trying to come up with his name and I was like, Who is it that sings with Lady Gaga sometimes? <laughs> that's my reference. That's my Tony Bennett reference. It's uh, me in the car. That's that's all I got. 
And remember, I'm looking for the name of the song. You, oh, you want the oh, song? Crap. That's what I asked for. Oh, I thought you wanted the artist. Hold no. on. Hold on. I got to change my answer really quick. Y'all haven't said anything about the name of the song. That's what I said. What song by a Bronx native? I'm so sorry. We, 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 mis- we misinterpreted. All right. I've got, I've got my answer locked in. I'm definitely getting points now. Okay. Thank God. <laughs> I feel so much better. That still so I, doesn't give me any clue. I got, I, you know. Helps me less. Luck be a lady tonight. I know it's not Mambo number five. <laughs> One, two, <laughs> three, four, five. I have absolutely nothing here. Me either. It's all on you, Marcus. <laughs> it's, it is not. Uh, <laughs> at all. Um, I don't know. Luck be a lady. That sounds like a song that was a song one time. <laughs> all right. We're locking in with luck be a lady. All right. So Ben, you uh, you mentioned a song that somebody was talking about possibly slipping a Mickey in. I think that was "It's Cold Outside," yeah. the Christmas song. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What's in this drink? Um, this one I was for. I thought we were asking for the artist, and I was trying to think: Is this Dion? I think this is Dion. I think this is Dion. Uh, but the song goes, "Well, it's Flo on my left, and then it's Mary on my right, and Janie is the girl, yeah, that I'll be with tonight." And when you ask me which one I like the best, I tear open my shirt and point at Rosie on my chest. They call me the Wanderer. Yeah, the Wanderer. I go around and around and around and around. So it's the Wanderer. So I am I am looking for the Wanderer by Dion. It is Dion. It is I Dion. got the artist. I don't so think here- I've ever heard that before in my life. <laughs> so here's the story about this song. This is totally Mambo number five. 30 or 40 years before it happened, Correct. by the way. So let me tell you, um, I have a very personal story about this song. Oh. So in interviews, Dion um, had said that this song, uh, it was written by a guy named uh, Ernie Mascara, um, or Maresca, Maresca, sorry. Mascara, we'll go with it. Yeah, it's Maresca. And um, it was about a guy, they're both from the Bronx, both Dion and Ernie, a guy from their neighborhood who was a sailor, uh, was a womanizer, obviously, and uh, had because he was a sailor, he was covered in tattoos. And like he had Rosie on his chest at one point, then he like covered it with a battleship to to get rid of it. So they're from the Bronx. My great grandparents migrated or immigrated from Glasgow and settled in the Bronx. And by the way, they gave the guy's name as Jackie Burns. That's who okay. they, they based it on. So my great grandparents' names are Joseph and Anna Burns. They had two sons. One of which was my grandfather, my nono, who was a sailor, was known to be a bit of a womanizer in his youth, but was not covered in tattoos. His name was Bobby Burns. Had an older brother who was also a sailor and was a womanizer and was covered in tattoos. And his name was Jack Burns. Seriously? The Wanderer is about my great uncle Jack. Are you wow. serious? Oh my God, 100% crazy. dead serious. <laughs> that is cool, man. That is crazy. <laughs> That's so, amazing. So my Uncle Jack's kind of a, a mythical figure to me. Okay. He passed away, unfortunately, before my mother was born, so I never knew him. He died very, very young. He was in his 20s. Uh, and he eventually did get married to my great Aunt Ray. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was a, um, they all grew up in the Bronx. They ran with not necessarily savory characters uh, no. in the Bronx, because <laughs> this is the 40s and 50s. And so, yeah, my, my great Uncle Jack was the wanderer. That is super Super cool. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> that was like, please tell me we have time to do this story. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's a great story. 
All right. Uh, I don't have a good story to follow up with that, so we're yeah. just going to go with the rest of the game. All right. <laughs> Super fun <laughs> song to sing, by the way. Oh, yeah. That was a great story. Uh, your next category is I wouldn't put it in a fruit salad. Okay. We're talking about a dog. <laughs> it's a dog. <laughs> what vegetable that is native to South America was once known as a love apple? Oh, love apple. A vegetable. And again, uh, the category is I wouldn't put it in a fruit salad. Yes. A love apple. All right. I'm I'm locking in. I know the, the pomegranate is often known as a love apple. That is obviously a fruit. It has seeds. So vegetables typically don't typically don't have seeds, right? Is that how we classify them as vegetables? Love apple means that it would resemble an apple. So you guys can talk over me. I'm just talking. I'm just thinking out loud. In fact, when do y'all shut him up and start talking? (laughs) So my first thought was it would look like an apple uh, and and maybe could be considered a fruit sometimes, but traditionally isn't, is a tomato. That was my first thought. And I also thought maybe a pepper, Mm. like a green pepper, bell pepper kind of thing. But tomato was my first thought. But tomatoes are classified. Are they classified as fruits? Because they have seeds. Cucumbers have seeds. That's true. Yeah, I mean, technically it is a fruit, but I think most people would consider it a vegetable. And is it native? A tomatoes native to South America? So I'm thinking about, I don't, well, I'm, I'm not real up on my, you know, South American cuisine, but I'm thinking about like, the closest I have is like Brazilian steakhouse. <laughs> I don't know how authentic that is. It's a Brazilian steakhouse. I think you should go with it. Uh, I'm thinking I don't about know, this but stuff. that sounds delicious. <laughs> I I th- tomato was the first thing I thought of. All right, you both said tomato. I'm gonna make it three, and we'll lock in with the tomato. So, I wasn't sure whether Carmelo would go with tomato as the answer to this question. With the whole, is it a fruit? Is it a vegetable thing? But the category title was a strong enough context clue for me because the argument of whether a tomato is a fruit or a vegetable, a lot of times there was some, I don't know who said it, but there was somebody famous who said, you can tell by whether or not you'd put it in a fruit salad. Uh, and so because she used that as a title, I went with tomato. Even though they are staple in Italian food, they were not from the Mediterranean. Hmm. Also, pasta is not from the Mediterranean. It comes from China. I am looking for a tomato. Tomatoes are native to South America originally. So when they were doing all the conquests and Mm -hmm. the colonization, the exploration, they brought it back to Europe with them. So. Okay. So that's what I can't. Wow. I didn't didn't know that. I learned And then when they were doing like the Silk Road and the spice trade Mm -hmm. with Asia, that's how they got pasta. Marco Polo. Same thing with tea. All right, so last category in the round is, oh, I need to add another sports question. <laughs> I love these afterthought sports questions. You've been fantastic with your titles on Thank your Thank you. I, I did it consistently all the way through. I love it. I love it. In golf, a number three wood is also known by what culinary utensil? Golf, not a strong point. Well, I asked a football question. I know. And I botched that. I also botched Marie Antoinette. I botched a lot today. If in you fact, play bocce ball. I was just thinking my sport my sport today is bocce ball cuz I'm botching everything. I'm locked in. So I'm think I'm trying to get it from the culinary utensil side. 
That's what I was trying to do also. So spatula, tongs, ladle. What else do you use in culinary? You have obviously your spoon and fork and knives. Whisk. Whisk, yeah. Ooh. That's a good one. George Foreman grill. George, yep, George that Foreman. That is a whisk. I'm really Blender. Um <laughs> 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 You should that's a great that's a great um Oh, so a, a restaurant should have like one of those chalkboard signs and put a peg on it and hang a whisk from it and literally say, is this a whisk you're willing to take? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so utensil, it doesn't have to be something handheld, right? It could be a, a type of machine like that, right? A food processor. It could be the little corn on the cob thingies you stick on the ends. Oh, I love those things. Oh, yeah, they're helpful. <laughs> they're so helpful. <laughs> What about a corkscrew? Interesting. I just I'm, I don't think I've heard a nickname for the three wood. I've heard like hybrid and stuff like that, but what about chopper? Chopper. Okay, I think I think we're getting close to something now. Y'all play much golf in Louisiana, there, uh, Marcus? Uh, there are a lot of people that do. I've I've not picked it up, and I wish at this moment in my life I had, so I might know an answer. Yeah, I think Chopper, I think we're on our same path. See, I was just at Top Golf on Thursday. <laughs> I and, love uh, Top Golf, dude. If this it. was Now we know what happened to Ben's ankle. <laughs> he old, was using that as a three wood. It's an old, <laughs> he was using the old footwood. Yep. Chopper, I think, is the closest thing we're gonna get to this. So the other thing I was thinking of is, you know, I guess it's called a mallet. But that's really kind of a tool to, you know, to like mm-hmm. pound when mm-hmm. you're trying to like flatten chicken or. Mm-hmm. Did you drop the bike? I did. <laughs> <laughs> so they're over here like simulating like mo- riding on a, a chopped motorcycle. That's amazing. <laughs> this is why we need video of this show. <laughs> hey, dude, we're going to get it. Yes. We're going to have it. Yes. So mallet chopper, we're in the neighborhood, guys. I know we are, dude. You need to get out of the neighborhood and give your answer. This is taking <laughs> oh forever God. on something I need you, you to have park somewhere. You have okay. no idea, and you're taking Mar- like ten minutes. <laughs> Marcus, any additional thoughts? I have this poster at home of like eight hundred million kitchen utensils, and I don't think any of them are specifically called chopper. They, ha- I think it would be like a knife, but they have a mandolin that slices and chops. I don't know if the slap chop. Uh, you should go slap, slap chop. You should go slap chop. Slap your troubles away with slap chop. Are you following me, camera guy? <laughs> hey, guys, it's Vince. Let's, let's go with mandolin. Let's oh. go with that. Yep. All right. We're locked in with mandolin. Man, you should have gone slap chop. <laughs> because slap. that didn't used to be it. But we should start that. Hey, caddy. Hand me my slap chop. <laughs> All right. Oh. Uh, I locked in pretty fast because rather than just like go crazy with it, I said, okay, I feel like it's either a spoon or a spatula. Let's go with spoon. So I said, I, I went like the tick and I said, spoon. All right. So the head of a three wood is slightly concaved and looks like a spoon. Mm. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, right. the comeback. The comeback. Jonathan swept the round. But I do want a uh, like a driver called a slap chop. <laughs> the, the score after the fifth round. 78 to 78. All right. Oh, wow. 
All right, let's get into round six. Your first category is what's in a moniker? <laughs> nice. <laughs> in the classic opera, Madame Butterfly, what is Madame Butterfly's actual name? I'm locked in with my wrong answer rather than waste our time. I have absolutely nothing, so I'm going to take a wild guess of Maria. 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 I just met a girl named Maria. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. My first thought was Mariah Carey, so. (laughs) All right. Mariah. (laughs) I'm good with Maria. Maria is just as good as any name that I could make up. All right. We'll go with our wrong answer of Maria. So, Madden... Madden. The the Madden Horde Butterfly. (laughs) Madden. Madden Butterfly. Um, Yeah, so... I've read a synopsis of Madame Butterfly, and I think I'm thinking of the right thing. And I think Madame Butterfly was set in Japan. Uh, I I think the story is about a a U.S. like Navy person who ended up in this um, in this relationship with um, with a young teen um, Japanese girl, and like left, and she was like waiting for him and waiting for him to come back, and I think she ended up killing herself. Um, I think that's the story. So I think it's a Japanese girl and I just made up the name Hiko. Okay. Um, well, Madame Butterfly is, uh, was written by an Italian, uh, but it is set in Asia and Madame Butterfly's actual name is Chocho-san. Chocho-san. Hmm. Okay. I, so I, close it, to is, Maria. it is the one I'm thinking of. I'm pretty sure. Which is, you know, like Maria. <laughs> very, very close. Very close. All right, your next category is, okay, okay, one more sports question, but also geography. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Geography. That is the best category name ever. In what European city will the 2024 Olympics be held? Oh, no. Oh, crap. European? European. So we're limiting it to a continent. Oh, no. Man, I don't even know where the 2020 ones are going to be. That was almost the one I asked. But I thought that might be wouldn't, too easy. Wouldn't know that either. <laughs> All right, I'm locked in. All right. All right. Marcus. So uh, I know that the 2020 Olympics are going to be held, I believe, in Tokyo, Japan. Mm-hmm. And I think after that, the European city that's hosted it before, but not for a while, uh, I think they finalized uh, Paris as as the city. Okay. That's one of the ones I had written down. Okay. Yeah, well, let's it's, go. There's luck in Paris. I was choosing between the big cities in Europe, and I chose Berlin. So uh, Tokyo will be uh, the 2020 Olympics. LA has confirmed for 2028. And Paris is going to be the 2024 Ooh, spot. Sweet. Brutal. Brutal. That's a horrible miss in the last round. And your last category before the gauntlet is stay out of the infield. Okay. (laughs) It'll make sense in a second. It's not sports. In the classic Abbott and Costello routine, who's on first? Tell me the left fielder's name. And the reason I say stay out of the infield, because that is something that was shouted at Abbott. (laughs) Stay out of the infield. (laughs) All right, I'm locked in. All right, so I know that who's on first. I think, like, what's on second. One of them is I don't know in the infield. Third base. 
Sorry. I'm and still then, mad uh, about that. Part of the bit, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I know that today and tomorrow are the pitcher and catcher. So that what does that leave? That leaves why, where, which I'm not sure is one they say they near. Who that? Who there? That's a different that? that's so, a different sport. So why, where, and how? What other names would they have for the outfielders? I was thinking uh right and left. Right and left? Yeah, I was thinking right like W R I G H T would be in left. Mm-hmm. That would make sense. Does the rest of it make sense? I was thinking I don't know. So Not I don't know is definitely infield. Okay. I, I remember that on a on a on a game show. He's definitely either shortstop or third base. Okay. So I like I like right and left field. I like I that. I do too. So let's lock in with right. I'm pretty sure the two outfielders that are named are why and because. Uh, so I was choosing between them because uh, I read left to right and why came before because. So I said why. All right. So your right fielder is nobody. Oh, no. Your center fielder is because. And your left fielder is why. Yes. Wow. Oh. When you say nobody, you mean they didn't name him. Not His name wasn't nobody. No, his name was nobody. I don't. I I could have. I thought I've had a conversation. Here's the diagram. So that's not. And they've added that, meaning it wasn't named. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it's not part of the skit. All right. Oh, that's a big deal, guys. That was a big deal, because at the end of the sixth round, the score is tied, eighty-eight <laughs> to eighty-eight. <laughs> and your gauntlet category is. Is it too late to apologize? It's too late to apologize. It's too late. You're welcome. I'm locked in. All right. Our wager has been locked in. All right. Everybody's wagers are in. Sweet. All right. So in your gauntlet, is it too late to apologize? Your first question. In the song, Miss Jackson, Outcast tells her that they never meant to make her daughter cry. The song is based on real people, and the daughter is a famous singer. Who is the daughter? I'm I'm 100%, guys. Oh, darn. Do you guys want to trust Ben and lock in? Do it. Uh, We're locked in. Yes, because I know who it is. Like, I can't think of the person's name, but I think I know. So I'll let you lock in. I'm I'm locked in. All right. Uh, During team play in the game of Sorry, what color does red have to be paired up with according to the rules? I'm going to lock in. We're locked in. All right. And your last question. Love means never having to say you're sorry is pretty terrible advice. But what movie does that quote come from? I'm locked in. Uh, We're locked in. All right. So now I'll read the questions again. You'll actually give me your answers. In the song with Jackson, Outcast tells her that they never meant to make her daughter cry. The song is based on real people and the daughter is a famous singer. Who is the daughter? I guess the only Jackson singer I could think of and said Janet Jackson. Andre 3000 had, actually had a child with Erica Badu. So we locked in with Erica Badu. During team play and sorry, what color does red have to be paired up with according to the rules? Ben? Uh, we said green, complimentary color. I, uh, I always see red and yellow together in my head, blue and green go together in my head. So I said yellow. All right. And your last question, the very terrible advice of love means never having to say you're sorry is a quote from what movie, Jonathan? 
Uh, well, I tried to pick a movie where somebody did things and never apologized for any of them, and I said Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Because <laughs> he can make a groovy lemon pie. I'm telling you right now, he did all kinds of crap and never had to say I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> all right. Jonathan, what, not Jonathan. Uh, ben, what did your team say? Uh, we went with Love Story. All right. So, uh, Miss Jackson, uh, Miss Jackson is actually, uh, in real life, her name is Miss Wright. And she is Erica Badu's mother. Is she also the left fielder in Who's on First? <laughs> <laughs> uh, during team play, and sorry, red is paired up with yellow. And the quote, love means never having to say you're sorry, is indeed from Love Story. Great. Wow. All right, Asha. Asha. Good pull, Asha. Thanks. All right, so let's find out what wagers were. Uh, guys, why don't you go first? So our logic was, this game has been ridiculously hard. It's a tie game. Really? <laughs> it's, let me repeat. It's, but not, it's, the questions were not bad. Let me put that that way. They're, they're just, the difficulty was high. No, so. I didn't think that was that they're hard great of a game. I just think I sucked today. <laughs> I should have 110 points in my mind. Yeah, in for, I mean, it was, they were great questions. We just didn't know, didn't know a lot of them or, you know, we were close to some of them, but... Um, and so we like, look, tie game, you know, zero is the bet there, in my opinion. So we wanted rock, paper, scissors. So we went through with a bet of zero. I know what Jonathan did. You know, I'm always down <laughs> yes! for rock, paper, yes! scissors. So awesome. I bet zero. Hell yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. This is amazing. All right. So the final scores going into the tiebreaker are 88 to 88. All, All right. right, Ben. Me and you, baby. So one, two, three, shoot. So it's one, two, three, shoot. And okay. it's best two out of three. And it's best two out of three. All right. All let's right. do it. You ready? One, two, three, shoot. All right. So Damn it's it. uh, oh, paper for Jonathan. Jonathan took the early lead. Oh, what's up? All right. All ready? One, two, three, shoot. Another oh. scissors against paper, and Jonathan wins. I, just yes. before I did, I was like, "Watch that bastard do scissors again!" <laughs> so the first throw, I I started planning this rock paper scissors about five minutes ago. Okay, <laughs> and in my heart, so so there's like, I don't. There's a lot of game theory in rock paper scissors for me. Okay, yeah. rock is kind of like it is for most people. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> Rock's kind of like the strong dominant. Thing, right, right? right and papers like i think you're gonna come out strong i'm right. gonna surprise you yep scissors is like the the outsider choice in my in yeah, my yeah. heart so it's like i i'm going i'm going double deep on my game theory you're not coming strong you think i'm coming strong so i'm gonna come at you from an angle yeah you did exactly the first one yeah you did exact that was exactly what i was thinking <laughs> and so then on the second one which is fast afterwards. My thought right. is Ben thinks I'm going to adjust. He doesn't think there's any possible way I'm going scissors you again. Have, yep, you have me pegged. So I'm going scissors. You have me pegged 100%. I was like, okay, he went scissors that time. I need to be ready for rock coming, coming back around. And you totally, yep, you got me. That was beautiful. <laughs> you got me. That was beautiful. So on a rock, paper, scissors, the winner today is Jonathan. Woo! Congratulations. Good Man, job. that was a heck of a comeback because I yeah. felt like I was down the whole game. Yeah, <sighs> but I, I cannot say enough. Great. Those are really good questions and love the categories. Ben's trying game. to make up for saying they were hard, Carmela. <laughs> well, I, I don't I don't regret saying they were hard. That doesn't mean they were bad. So, uh, guys, do you have a minute to stick around while we read a couple of reviews? Sure. Absolutely. 
our first review of today is by Mr. Roach. By the way, we're up to November of last year Yay! on the reviews. We've hit November. His name is Mr. Roach 8103. Even though you knew I'd die for you. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. I was listening to the classic hit Return of the Mac, <laughs> which, by the way, is a great song. Hashtag Team Ben. Yes. Yes. This is one of the many inside jokes you too could be in on if you listen to this amazing podcast. And I repeat, this podcast is amazing. If you like trivia, even a little bit, this podcast is for you. The questions are fantastic. The hosts are hilarious. I have listened to every episode start to finish twice, and I am about to start my third go round. Wow. wow. The only thing I do not like is that I am not a part of the friend group. Okay. Maybe I'm just a little jealous. But Jonathan, Chris, Carmela, and Ben have created a community of lifelong learners and trivia nerds that I can't wait to become a part of officially. If you want to learn until your brain hurts and laugh until you cry, subscribe, download, and listen. What a great review. Isn't that awesome, dude? That was fantastic. Selling it with that whole pain thing. (laughs) (laughs) If you want your brain to hurt and you want to cry, come and join us. (laughs) Hey, pain sales, man. All right, we have a uh, we have a review by Hufflepuff Pride. Oh, got ourselves a puff. Uh, yeah, go puffs. I have just started listening from the beginning, and I'm on episode forty. I love this podcast. It isn't just boring trivia facts, and I feel like I can learn from it. I am on the middle school quiz bowl team, and this is excellent preparation, except for sports questions. And no math questions. They're in middle school. Hufflepuff, you just keep listening. You'll get your math questions. I promise. Yeah, you will. I love listening to personal stories and seeing how I can relate to the host. The podcast is family-friendly and clean, and it's fun and easy to play along at home. I feel such satisfaction when I get a question that the hosts don't. Thank you, Jonathan and Chris. Apparently, they're in middle school. and um, That's kind of cool. That's super well-written. Uh, that yeah. re- that review is better better written, more well written. Oh God, now I'm done. Uh, anyway, proving Jonathan's point. That that review was extremely good. Yeah, I mean, if they're on the trivia team. You would kind of expect them to be well read, but that's even surpassing those expectations. However, I I bet it's pretty frequent that 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 reviewer gets a whole lot of questions that I don't get. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the last one. This is by Sheldonite three one four. Warning, warning, warning. This podcast may prove to be distracting. I discovered this fantastic podcast when my home trivia night went on a break and I desperately needed a trivia fix. I'm now completely addicted. I am working my way through the past episodes and sit on the edge of my seat waiting for new episodes to be downloaded. I love the random banter between all the hosts and feel like I am just sitting around the bar table with y'all. I had not realized how big the trivia community is until finding TWA and am now experiencing so many new things in the trivia world, and it is super exciting. However, I do Uh give a warning. I listen to TWA every time I drive, which has proven to be distracting, as I have just blown two of my tires out in a parking lot while screaming the right answer at my iPhone. What? (laughs) So, I do advise listening with caution if you're passionate about being right. So I thought while waiting for my tow truck to arrive would be the best time to finally write my review. No hard feelings, though totally my fault. Oh my god! <laughs> Hashtag team everyone I couldn't possibly pick. Love these. Love you guys. The dude blew his car out, but I guess he like ran into something. I like don't... ran over a curb and blew Some, him out? Something. Wow. Man, that's intense. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, he said it's his fault. It's not us. Still. I can, yeah. still, I can still feel bad that it happened. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy. Yeah. Brilliant. 
All right. Before we go further, I want to announce our promotions in the Trivial Warfare Army. It's been a really interesting month of May here. There's been a lot of churn in the Trivial Warfare Army, so we've had quite a few people drop out. We've added a, a net total of seven people have joined when you add up all the ads and removes. Um, but we're down $23 for the month. So it's uh, it's definitely been an interesting month. I do want to say I, I get feedback every now and then about captains who are tired of waiting to get a chance to come on the show. And I, guys, I do apologize. I've mentioned this in a video in the Facebook group before. I'm absolutely doing my best to get everybody on. Um, one particular comment was about people coming on twice when others haven't come on yet. So I want to take a moment to make sure that there's no confusion on that. Um, that is a reward specifically. The uh, lieutenant colonels, the colonels, and the generals will definitely be on multiple times before uh, during the time that a captain is waiting. Uh, that is literally just part of their reward. So I understand that that might be frustrating, but that is part of my commitment as well. So I thought that was worth sharing. In the meantime, I do want to say thank you to Aaron Mayers, who has joined us as a new captain. Thank you, Aaron. Tamara Fleischman has joined us as a new lieutenant. She's going to get access to all of our bonus episodes. Thank you, Tamara. Caitlin Southron has joined us as a new captain. Thank you, Caitlin. Raymond Morse has promoted himself from captain to lieutenant colonel. Thanks, Raymond. Uh, now, that's a specific situation where Raymond... Raymond is pressing the issue, and he'll definitely be coming on in the not-too-distant future uh, as a result of that change. Brooke Breet has joined us as a new lieutenant. Brooke, I'm not sure if it's Breet or Bright. I almost want to call you Bright because I like that, too. Andrew Nimick is a new major. Thank you, Andrew. Aaron Millstone is a new lieutenant. Thank you, Aaron. Matthew Kimberlin has joined us as a new lieutenant colonel. Welcome aboard, Matthew. Thank you. Shanti Green has joined us as a new lieutenant. Welcome, Shanti. Glad you're here. And last but not least, just yesterday, Ben, uh, two days ago, we were joined by Ben Schnell, who is a new captain. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate all of you that support Trivial Warfare and the Army and look forward to getting to know you guys better. If you're interested in being like these awesome people and supporting the show, the place to go is TrivialWarfareArmy.com. All right, uh, Asha and Marcus, we like to give everybody who comes on a chance to either uh, do some shout-outs to people or to promote a cause that they're interested in and love. So, Asha, let's start with you. What would you like to say? Well, I'd like to give a shout-out to my favorite brother, whose birthday is at the end of May, so it'll be right around the time when this comes out. Ooh, what's so his happy name? happy birthday, John. Happy John. birthday, John. Fabulous. Marcus, it's your turn, actually. So you have a visitor. Oh, we have two visitors. Hi. Yeah. So I want to give a shout out to uh, my wife Katie, who actually found this podcast. Hi, Katie, and uh, our daughter Avery. Hi, who, Avery. Uh, is, is is she has not been helping me the whole time, so uh, <laughs> if, she probably would have provided assistance. Um, but this is a great podcast. Everybody who has been on the fence about providing support uh, should do it. If you think about it. The joy that you get out of the podcast, and I'm not saying this as Jonathan told me to, uh, is well worth uh, whatever sponsorship you can provide. So definitely do that if you're on the fence. But also, um, Boy Scouts of America is one of the largest youth service organizations uh, 
for children, and now they, they're allowing in girls now. So um, definitely support your local Boy Scouts, uh, which now includes girls. So uh, think about that. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. And thank you for the kind words as well. Uh, as you said, any support that people provide is not taken for granted. I can promise you that. All right. Well, that is going to wrap us up. So today for Marcus, for Asha, for Ben, and for Carmela, my name's Jonathan, and this has been another episode of Trivial Warfare, where it's not just trivia, it's war. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Trivial Warfare. To learn more about the show and become a warhead yourself, visit TrivialWarfare.com. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or in any other good podcast app. And find us on Facebook or Twitter by searching Trivial Warfare. Warm It Up was written and performed by Matthew Stevens. This episode was edited and produced by me, Joel Sharpton. If you need help with your podcast, find it at propodcastingservices.com. So I'm trying to... Oh, I'm trying to cough right now. <laughs> oh, this snuck up on me. It was a rogue wave. Um, so, so I was, I was, we were at a cafe. This is a very small, like little, little uh, cafe holds probably 20 people at work. And we were at lunch and I was talking to a couple of coworkers about the show. And I was saying that. I don't know how we got on the subject, but I was talking about Jefferson Davis and I was telling him about, I was researching questions about Jefferson Davis and I came across this phenomenon called the lost cause, which was a literary movement in the South to kind of romanticize the civil war. And so I'm kind of talking through all of this and kind of saying, you know, this and that. So we get up to get our food and some random dude walks over and says, yeah, I couldn't help but understand your conversation, what you were talking about. And you, you said you're saying that slavery was one of the primary causes of war. I was like, absolutely. It was. He's like, no, that's absolutely not true. And he goes into like this big diatribe. Did he say like the economy and things like that? Even though he was saying that the North, the North had all, (laughs) the North had all of the political control. I'm like, it was because it was based on the economy, which is based on slavery. He was like, well, because it was global. And at this point, I realize, you know, the Wakanda is rising up, (laughs) right? And I'm trying not to burn his down, right? So I'm like. So the first, I knew we were going to end up hearing the story before the day was over. No, but he so mentioned I, it earlier. I, so now I'm like, okay, room. I'm I'm emotional. I'm not I'm not going to be able to have a logical conversation anymore. So I told him, let's just agree to disagree, right? Which is the universal sign of look, <laughs> right? He blows th- right through that sign. He continues talking, right? And I'm getting angrier, right? But I'm I'm at work, so I'm trying to compose myself. Ben is literally <laughs> standing in his office like this. So, you know, so he keeps talking, and so at this point. I'm reaching fever pitch and I say, my advice to you in the future is not to walk up to a black person you don't know and start talking about slavery. That's going to be my advice to you. At that point, he gets it because he turns to leave, but he's still talking about, yeah, we need to figure out what really what really happened in history, misinformation, all this kind of stuff. And I'm I'm literally trying not to start yelling because I'm that I am and I'm visibly shaking. I am upset. Everything. My chest is burning a little bit. <sighs> and but my coworkers, they were so great. They deflect it and change the subject and try to get my mind off of that and move on to something else. And it, it worked. But four hours later, we were at our team builder at top golf. And I told my colleagues, I would love nothing more than to hit a whole bunch of little white balls right now. Cause I really, I really need this. <laughs> Jonathan.
I was crushing no I was crushing it. They I sliced every one of them, but I hit the ball farther than everyone else. I was crushing it. Man, I wondered how that was gonna tie back into top. I've always got a plan. Where is he going with this story? Oh. So and it worked. That I, I felt oh a lot God. better. I've, seriously, it was a good yeah. way oh, no, for me to does. get that frustration out. Oh, Not yeah. Only you knew what a three-wheeler was called. 